Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Book of Matthew, chapter 13. Open up your Bible, book of Matthew, and chapter 13. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, we had a triple-digit day. And uh, summer is upon us. Hallelujah. It means it's time for outreach. Over the last few months, I've been uh, preaching on the theme of evangelism on these Wednesday nights. And I want to continue that tonight with a thought that, uh, that I hope will encourage you. Now, as I begin this message tonight, I'm going to tell you a truth. And then I'm going to tell you a story and I'm going to tell you the same truth again. And I want you to notice tonight how that truth is better illustrated and better cemented in your heart on the second time that I say it. Are you ready for this? So here's the truth. No matter how much the world tries to hold you back, always continue with the belief that what you want to achieve is possible. Believing you can become successful is the most important step in actually achieving it. Now, if I took a survey tonight and asked if you agreed with that statement or not, I'm sure that everyone would say, yes, of course, I agree with that statement. Now, listen to this story. There was a gentleman walking through a camp where elephants lived. He spotted that the elephants were not being kept in cages or held back by the use of chains. The only thing holding them back from escaping their camp was a small piece of rope tied onto one of their legs. The man was puzzled by these elephants, and he was completely confused why the elephants didn't just use their strength to break the rope and escape the camp. They could easily have done this, but instead they didn't try at all. He was curious and wanted to know the answer. He found a trainer nearby and asked, why are the elephants just standing here and not trying to escape? And the trainer replied, he said, when they are very young and much smaller, we use the same ropes to tie them. And at that age, it's strong enough to hold them. As they grow up, they are conditioned to believe that they cannot break away. They grow continuing to believe that the rope can still hold them So they never try to break free. The only reason that those elephants aren't breaking free and escaping from the camp was that over time they had adopted the belief that it just wasn't possible. Now back to the truth. No matter how much the world tries to hold you back, always continue with the belief that what you want to achieve is possible. Believing you can become successful is the most important step in actually achieving it. 
Now, I said the same truth two times, once at the beginning and once in the end. The only thing different on the second time was that you had heard an amazing story to illustrate that truth. And doesn't that truth have so much more meaning, value, and usefulness for your life now that you have a picture in your mind of what that truth looks like? Am I the only one? I want to talk to you tonight about the power of storytelling. Every Christian needs to develop the ability to tell a story. People who are good storytellers are good soul winners. And I want to show that to you this evening as uh, I preach a message that I've entitled, Tell Me a Story. Matthew chapter 13, beginning, uh, or just one verse, verse 34, said that all these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. And without a parable, he did not speak to them. Let me say that one more time tonight. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables or in stories. And without a parable, he did not speak to them. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the grace and the mercy that you have shown us. We thank you for the spirit of the living God that redeems us and revives us and rescues us from our sin. I'm praying tonight, God, that you would give your people a hunger and a thirst to win the lost and to do so through the the ability of telling stories. I'm praying, God, tonight that you would inspire us, Lord, to do your work. And we thank you for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, Amen. Amen. Tonight, I hope that I don't have to persuade you that winning souls is a good idea. I hope that by now you have enough spiritual maturity to understand that God didn't just save you so that you could have a bank account and a car and a place to live. The reason why God keeps you alive is not just for you, for your wife, for your children, for your home. The reason tonight that God doesn't suck us up into heaven the moment that he saves us is because he still has a job for us to do. And that job is ever printed on our back wall to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature to make disciples of all nations. And we understand tonight, I hope I don't have to persuade you that that is not just the job of a church organization. It's not just the job of a fellowship or a group of pastors or a group of missionaries or a group of evangelists or a group of trained uh, uh, Bible scholars. I hope tonight that I don't have to convince you To understand that that is your mandate as an individual believer to win the lost, to make disciples. I hope I don't have to persuade you again tonight that this is our command, this is our goal, this is our purpose. And if we are honest about the world that we live in, the world needs the gospel more today than it ever has at any time in all of world history. There are more people on their way to hell at this moment 
than there ever have been in all of human history. The goal of preaching the gospel to every creature keeps getting bigger. There are more and more sinners, more and more people who are abandoning their faith, more and more people who, are, uh, who had never darkened the door of a church. They say that millennials, the millennial generation, that's my generation and younger, 35% of them now have never been to a church in their entire life. That's a huge number in America. And I hope I don't have to convince you tonight that God still cares about those people. That Jesus still died for those people. And even though they upset us and even though they say things that make us uncomfortable and do things that we don't want to be around, how many know that used to be us? And if God has saved us, and there is also a commandment to reach those in the world that need Him. We know the Scripture calls Christians, calls believers, calls us the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And I don't want to take the time to re-preach all of my sermons from the last two months. Please go back on the website and listen to these Wednesday night services to be inspired that you can be a witness that you can reach the lost. You don't have to wait until you have a Bible degree. You don't have to wait until you've read the Bible 20 times through. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is have a willing heart and say, God, I want you to use me somehow. And if you have that and you have a mouth that can speak, some of you got mouths that can speak, then you can make a difference for the kingdom of God. Say amen. amen. I want to give you a tool tonight that you can use in order to win souls. And it's a very simple tool. It is the tool of telling stories. Have you ever been around a good storyteller? Have you ever been around someone who captivates your attention? Have you ever begun to listen to them as they recall or recount an incredible story? And by the end of the story, you're saying, tell me another one. One of the best storytellers I've ever encountered in my life was a pastor. We became very good friends when, I, when we were missionaries in Bulgaria. His name is John Dumas. And he is uh, such a, a, a funny person, first of all. He's kind of... You, you know the guy on the, the Far Side cartoons? He looks just like that guy, whatever his name is, Chester or whatever. Got the glasses, got the flat top, got a big kind of bulky guy. He looks just like that guy in the Far Side cartoons. But when he begins to tell you a story, he sucks you in. Everyone around begins to say, what is, going, what is he talking about? And he pulls you in and begins to recount with such detail and with, uh, with such uh, uh, enthusiasm that you cannot break away. It's a powerful ability to have. The, uh, the, the, the ability to tell a story, I believe, is a powerful tool in winning the lost. One of the greatest storytelling organizations in, in our generation is a company that was originally made to make cartoons. 
Disney has been, uh, has been leveraging the power of storytelling for over 70 years. And their latest acquisition, the company Pixar, is perhaps one of the greatest storytellers of our entire generation. Over the years, they've won 13 Academy Awards, 9 Golden Globes, and 11 Grammys. But all of it comes down to powerful storytelling. I found this article that said six rules for great storytelling from Pixar. You ready for this? Number one, great stories are universal. In other words, that anyone who sees or hears this story can relate to this story. Number two, great stories have a clear structure and a purpose. There's a reason why the story needs to be told. Number three, great stories have a character to root for, an underdog, someone that you can align with. Number number four, great stories can appeal to our deepest emotions, whether those emotions are fear or anger or greed or whatever those uh, emotions that drive us, they appeal to those deepest emotions. Number five, great stories are surprising and unexpected. It's not the same old story from 25 or 50 years ago. There's something new and fresh in a story that can compel. And number six, great stories are simple. They don't get overcomplicated. They don't bog you down with too many details but they become focused. And if you've ever seen a Pixar movie, every one of their films uh, keeps tight to those six very interesting rules that they are compelling. They capture your attention. They have an underdog that you can root for. They appeal to your deepest emotions. I believe tonight that, that storytelling speaks to the human being because God programmed us to be able to receive truth through a story. When God created humanity, He created us pre-programmed with this amazing ability to hear a story and understand it. This is why when Jesus showed up to the earth 2,000 years ago, Jesus did not show up in a university to teach a class. He didn't open a textbook and say, let me show you all of the theological truths. Do you know what he taught? He taught with parables. He taught about a farmer. You know why? Because everybody knew about a farmer back then. He taught about a landowner who had certain people that worked for him. You know why? Because in the audience, that there was people there who were workers, and they probably worked for a landowner, right? Jesus taught in parables and in stories because... Through these amazing stories, people could connect. And for the same reason that Pixar uses stories, Jesus used the power of the story to connect with his audience. I fear, as the church in 2019, that we we can very easily get sidetracked by telling people about our church, about our programs, about our children's church, about the pastor, about the building that we have, but we miss the main story. We miss the thing that is so compelling and so interesting that we can use to speak immediately to people's condition. 
The Bible is full of stories. How many know that? The Bible, yes, we know is a theological book, and there's plenty of theology in there. But by and large, this is a collection of stories, isn't it? The story of the beginning, how the world began, how the first people came into it, ultimately failed. They were tempted by by the devil. They fell in sin. God had to redeem them. It's the story of their children and their children's children. And it's a story of Abraham and his faith. And it's a story of David and his uh, conquest. It's a story of Jesus. It's a story of the followers. You read through the Bible, it's a collection of amazing stories about real people. And we see uh, Samuel, the prophet, there was a moment in the life of King David when he had committed a grave sin. You all know with the, the sin that he committed with Bathsheba, the sin of adultery. Not only that, but after he committed adultery with Bathsheba, he went and killed her husband on purpose. So adultery leads to murder. He covered it up. He dishonored his family and his nation. He broke all ten of the Ten Commandments. In one shot, man, talk about a failure. But the problem with David, after he had done all of this wickedness, the problem was he had not repented. Now, I suppose that Samuel, the prophet, could have come to David and said, you need to repent, David, because you've committed this sin and this sin and this sin and this sin. Do you think that that would have caused David to Uh, to humble himself and ask for for forgiveness? Maybe not. But what Samuel did is he came and told David a story. Do you remember the story that he told? It's in 2 Samuel chapter 12. He said, David, let me tell you a little story. He said, there was two men in one city. There was a rich man and a poor man. The rich man had so many flocks and herds The poor man had nothing except one little pet lamb that he had bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and with his children. It's like the family puppy. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and it laid with him and it grew up together with him and it was like a child to him. They had a pet lamb. And the traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But instead, he took the poor man's lamb and slaughtered it, prepared it for the man who had come to him. Now, when David heard that story, something rose up in him. You know why? Because David knew what it was like to have a friend that was a little lamb. He had been a shepherd in his early years. He had taken care of sheep. He had probably known people like this who were poor. And the only companionship that they could have other than their family was maybe a little lamb that would grow and be a family pet. And when David heard the story about a rich man who had flocks and herds, he's got a thousand sheep out on the hill. But instead of killing one of them for dinner, he goes and steals the little poor man's lamb. David's anger was greatly aroused and said to Nathan, 
as the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. David was righteous with anger. And it says, he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and had no pity. And Nathan came to David and said, listen, you're the man. You're the man, David. You had plenty in your own house. You had wives. You had others to supply your need. But you took the wife of, your, uh, of one of your soldiers. So David, through this story, his life was changed. Because he realized that his anger directed at that rich man should be directed at his own self. And this led David to repentance. Thank God. I wonder if Nathan would have showed up that day and said, David, you've committed adultery. You've committed murder. David probably could have said, his heart could have gotten hardened. And said, wow, what's the big deal? I've made it this far. Nathan could have pointed his finger in his chest and said, you need to repent, David. But see, when he told him a story, something connected with David's heart. Something connected that caused him to be angry at his own sin. I want to tell you tonight, you can use a story in order to draw people to salvation. When we read through the scriptures, we find interesting ways that God uses stories to change his people and his nation. Sometimes he used the very prophets of God as living parables. You read through some of the minor prophets like Hosea. Hosea chapter 1, verse 2, it says, The Lord began to speak by Hosea, and the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself, uh, little children should probably cover their ears, go take yourself a wife of harlotry. What does that mean? He wanted a prophet to go marry a prostitute. Why? For the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. Poor Hosea is now being used as a living example. God used a man as a parable. He says, you see what I'm doing? I'm marrying a prostitute. Because this is a story about the rest of the nation. You've joined yourself to false gods. You've joined yourself to things that are hurting you. Ezekiel. God used this prophet also as a living example, a parable. God said to Ezekiel in Uh, Ezekiel chapter 4, Son of man, take a clay tablet and lay it before you. Portray on it the city Jerusalem. Lay siege against it. Build a siege wall against it. Heap up a mound and set camps against it and place battering rams against all around it. And he goes on and he says, Set your face against it. You shall lay siege against it. This will be a sign to the house of Israel. Lie on your left side. And lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it. According to the number of days that you lie on it, you shall bear their iniquity. For I have laid on you the years of their iniquity according to the number of days. Listen to this. 390 days. So you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. And when you've completed those days, lie on your right side. Then you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Judah for 40 days. 
I have laid on you a day for each year. Can you imagine? Can you imagine getting that commission from the Lord, Ezekiel? He says, God says to Ezekiel, I want you to lay on your left side for 390 days. What am I doing this for, Lord? Because it's a parable. It's a story. What is happening to you, Ezekiel, is what's happening to my country. Now, I'm not suggesting tonight that God wants any of you to lie down for 390 days. What I am suggesting tonight is that God has the ability not just to to use you to tell a story, but to be the story. I want you to make this connection before we close tonight. The story that has the greatest power that you have to tell is your story. You are the story. Did you ever wonder why you're going through the things you're going through? God, nobody else goes through this. Nobody else deals with this. That's what we tell ourselves, right? Can I remind you, the reason why God allows things to happen in our lives so that we have a compelling story to tell. It's not for your sake, but for the sake of a lost world. Listen to what Paul says to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2. He says, you are our epistle written in our hearts. What's an epistle? It's a letter written by an apostle. He says to the people of the city of Corinth, in that church, he says, you are the letter that has been written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, not written with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. He's encouraging the church because they're going through problems. They're going through difficulties, but they're surviving. They're making it right. They're continuing on in the Lord. And Paul is saying, listen, guys, you are the letter that is being written to the world. A letter that is not written by ink. It's written with the Spirit of God, not onto tablets of clay or tablets of stone, but that letter is being written onto the tablets of people's hearts. Can you be reminded tonight that the story of your life can be written on the heart of someone. The story of your life can be used by God in a powerful way. Some of us, we have a story to tell. Not some. We all have a story to tell, don't we? You've got a story of how God saved you. You've got a story of how you came to the church, how somebody invited you, or how you prayed and, and God spoke to you, or how, what, what miracles God has done to keep you over the years. The problem with so many Christians is we think that that story is not interesting because we, we know the story so well. Because it's our story. But I want to remind you tonight that your story is not just your story. Your story is God's story. And we are commanded to use that story for him. I want to encourage you tonight. You can use your story for the kingdom of God. We see this example again 
and again in the Scriptures. We see the Apostle Paul especially. Now we know, if you read through the book of Romans especially, we know that the Apostle Paul was especially gifted with studying the Word and bringing out spiritual truth. And some of those chapters of the book of Romans are very heavy with theology, right? And yet, even though he could impress an entire audience with his theological understanding and revelation. Three times in the New Testament, do you know what he does? He tells his story. Three times. He tells it once in Acts, uh, twice in Acts, and then he tells it again later on. And he, he simply repeats the same story. He says, look, I was working against Jesus. I was killing Christians. I was delivering people to their death. And one day I was riding down the road to Damascus to, to kill some more Christians. The, there was a bright light that shone all around me. I was knocked off my horse, and the Lord Jesus appeared to me. You talk about compelling. Now, Paul could have said, now, <clears throat> I believe in sanctification by faith through the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that when you repent and believe in Jesus Christ with all of your heart, that you can be redeemed and set free and restored. And he could have used a lot of big words, right? He got, I, you can be sanctified and redeemed, and uh, you can have the propitiation for our sins, and, and you can speak a lot of Christian words. But he says, he says, instead of blinding people with large theological words, he just began to tell his story. I got kicked off a horse. I saw a bright light, saw Jesus. He said, you're persecuting me. I was blind for three days. When I regained my sight, I started preaching the gospel, started believing in Jesus, started planting churches. What a powerful story. That's why tonight you don't have to have a Bible degree. You don't have to be a 10-year Christian. You can be saved for five minutes. And if the Lord has saved you, then you have a story to tell, don't you? Most of us have been saved for more than five minutes. You've been saved for years. And in the course of those years, it's very important that we keep track and we remember those stories where God delivered us, where God helped us. Where, see, it's, it's a mistake, beloved. It's to go through life like a, like a pinball in a pinball machine, just bouncing off the various things that happen to you and forgetting about them after they happen. I believe that God allows us to go through things, to struggle with things, to overcome things, to uh, experience things in life because He wants you to have a story that you can share. There are some stories that only you have. There are some people in this world that only you can relate to. There are some people that I will never be relate to them. I will never be able to speak to them in their situation. But you can. Because maybe you've been through what they are going through. Stuff that I've never been through. Stuff that I've never experienced. But maybe you have. And in that way, you can do what a pastor cannot do. You can do what an evangelist cannot do. You can speak to someone in the moment that they're going through exactly what you have been through. What's your story tonight? What's your story? Have you allowed God, have you begun to search your heart? I would encourage you to do this. 
Maybe you take out a piece of paper and you begin to remember the miracles that God has done in your life. The story that God is writing with your life. And I want to close with this truth tonight. The stories that we are called to tell is more than just our own personal history. I believe tonight that all of history is His story. Let me say that again because some of you didn't catch it. All of history is His story. We are called to share the stories of our lives not just because they happen to us, not just because God can use it, but because ultimately the right kind of story brings glory to God. Brings glory to His kingdom. Brings glory. Sometimes the most powerful thing you can say to someone is not come to church at 11 a.m. Here's a flyer. The most powerful thing that you can tell someone, I was once a sinner. I was where you are. I was doing things that I'm ashamed of. But God set me free. And I'm here today because Jesus is alive and has risen me out of my sins. You have a story that I don't have. Maybe I have a story that you don't have. But every story has power for someone. And I want to encourage you tonight to use the power of the story. I would encourage you to practice telling that story. Practice it in a way that is compelling. You can practice on your children or your spouse. You can watch their face. You can tell the story and see how their face reacts. If they're starting to fall asleep, then maybe you need to change your story. I'm not saying lie about your story, but to be compelling about it. Because I want to tell you, human beings, we are so compelled. We are pre-wired to react to a good story. For this reason, tonight, I want to... uh, take the opportunity to uh, remind you that we need a few good stories. In our generation today, one of the most important things that a church can have is a website. So many of our visitors that we have, uh, uh, before they'll ever darken the church door, they're going to visit our website. And uh, and because it's so important, what I want to do is I want to have a whole section on our website dedicated to your stories. I want to be able to put some video testimonies on there, some short and maybe some longer, uh, but stories of what God has done in our lives. You might not think it's compelling. You might think it's boring. Oh, pastor, my life's not interesting. But I can guarantee you this. Someone out there could see your story and could be inspired, especially those stories that are heartbreaking especially those ones that might be embarrassing, especially those ones that maybe you don't want to remember so much, but God delivered you. Those are the stories that can change lives. Jesus, when he taught, he taught with parables, and it was for this reason. Human beings respond to stories. Let's bow our heads tonight and close our eyes as we bring, as we bring the service to a close. There is a reason tonight why the gospel is called the greatest 
story ever told. This gospel message meets... We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vbph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.